Again, that's Exodus chapter 20, verses 1 through 17, and that's page 72 in the Black Pew Bible. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not take for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to the earth or serve them. For I am the Lord your God and a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, or your son, or your daughter, your male servant, or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is in your neighbor's. Remain standing for the singing of He is Worthy. He read these Ten Commandments, and what I'm hoping is happening as we read through these Ten Commandments. I think this was our scripture reading last week. Well, it was, and it'll be the scripture reading for the next several weeks until we finish these Ten Commandments. But what I'm hoping is happening is as these commandments are read, you're in your thoughts, you're thinking more clearly about these commandments as we've taught through them. Hopefully that's what's happening. And so we get to the Seventh Commandment today, you shall not commit adultery. Now, about 10 years ago, I was sitting in a, a tea house in what we called Mountain City in the country where we were serving, and I was talking there with the pharmaceutical salesman. He had uh, told me that he had a wife and a child in his hometown, which was about a 12-hour train ride from where we were. But he, had, he uh, lived in an adjacent city. He had to work there, and many people in that country had to do that. They lived apart from their families, and he did so. And then he began to talk about this, uh, this other lady. And I, I kept getting confused because I said, okay, your wife's in this city, and you're talking about this other woman. He said, oh, oh, oh that's the woman that I live with. And I said, would you live in this next city over, right? He goes, yeah. And, I, and so I began to question him about that and asked him if that was the best thing for him as a husband and a father to do. And he says, well, he, he, he kept answering me and saying this term is male banfile, male banfile, male banfile, which means really in their language, what am I to do? I can't help it. There's no remedy to this problem. And what he would say, he tried to excuse his actions by saying, well, what's a man to do? A man has needs. My wife is 12 hours away. What am I to do? Male Bamfa. To show him his, his hypocrisy, I asked him, well, since he was lonely and someone's meeting him in this city 12 hours away, 12 hours away, somebody must be meeting his wife and meeting her needs. And he got irate and upset and and I was confused, and so he understood where I was going with that. See, it was necessary for him to have another, but it wasn't necessary for others to have another, which makes absolutely no sense. So his hypocrisy was exposed, and his real feelings about adultery came out. He knew it was wrong. But because he's sinful, he wanted to justify his own sin. Well, we said last week that the prohibition against murder in the Sixth Commandment was widely accepted in just about every culture there is on the planet. Well, the Seventh Commandment is understood and, and also is, is accepted in every culture, especially for those who are sinned against. Maybe not so much for those who are committing the actual adultery 
but those spouses who are sinned against, they embrace this and would say that this is a wrong action and indeed sinful. In fact, when, when I'm counseling married couples where one spouse has been unfaithful, I usually ask the guilty party, what if the shoe was on the other foot? In fact, I always ask that question. What if this was your wife or if, what if this was your husband? What would you, how would you feel? How would you respond? When others are unfaithful to you, it's wrong, but many try and justify their own actions. In fact, you know, we think about it, we live in an adulterous culture, our own culture here in America. We see this in the entertainment industry through movies, through music. Infidelity and promiscuity is oftentimes celebrated in the those who are faithful, those who practice fidelity are oftentimes portrayed as stifling and, and odd. Jackson Brown, he co-wrote a song that was produced by the Eagles. Many of you know the song, Take It Easy. One of the lines in that song kind of is an example of this. I'm looking for a lover that won't blow my cover. What's the next line? But they're so hard to find. There's another example from a website. The website was Ashley Madison. And on this website, there's a motto. It says, life is short, have an affair. And the purpose, the sole purpose of the website was offering an, an anonymous social network for people wanting to have an affair. Real deal stuff here in our country. Several years ago, 2015 to be exact, there was a data breach and their website database was hacked. And those that hacked the website, what they were trying to do is, is they were trying to blackmail the the establishers of this website because they thought that this was inappropriate. Also, they had some misgivings about their, their business dealings. But what they finally did is they exposed those subscribers. And there were tens of millions of subscribers. So, so much so, it was said that there was only three zip codes in the whole United States of America that did not have a subscriber. Infidelity is commonplace in our culture. And we're in the second part of our study of the Ten Commandments, the second part of the commandments. The first part, the first four commandments teach us how to love God. And the second six, the second set, teach us how to love our neighbor. So let's review these commandments really quickly. If you, you have to do your little number thing here. And you think it's really childish and silly, but... The, the children here who are childish and silly, they know the Ten Commandments and you don't, adults, okay? So when you think it's real childish, well, it is, but at least they know them and you don't. So let's do them, okay? The first commandment is one God, right? The second commandment, don't carve any idol. See, childish people, they know a lot more than you, adults, okay? The third commandment is don't take the Lord's name in vain, right? The fourth commandment, Remember the Sabbath. Keep it holy, right? Because you're going to take a nap. There you go. That's easy, right? The fifth commandment. Honor father and mother, right? Because that's what you're going to do. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am, right? Honor your father and mother. Okay, the last one. Morgan taught this this last week. Do not murder, right? Do not murder, okay? And then the second, I mean the seventh commandment is don't commit Adultery, and the way you can remember that is these two have to stick together, right? Have to stick together. That's why you can remember that, right? So, okay. Um, the principle underlying the sixth commandment we saw last week is the sanctity of life. 
And so the principle underlying the seventh commandment is the sanctity of marriage. So we're going to, real quickly, we're going to look at Genesis chapter 2, uh, verse 18 through 24, and to see where marriage began, how did this all, the institute of marriage, husband, uh, one man, wife, one woman coming together in marriage, where did this start? Genesis chapter 2. You can turn there if you like. We have that up on the screen just for time's sake. Sometimes I get, I was told last night I preached kind of long. So um, sometimes to speed that up, I throw the scriptures up. Genesis chapter 2, 18 through 24. Then the Lord said, it is not good that the man should be alone. God just created man, right? I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all the livestock and to the birds of the heavens and every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord caused, Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this, is at last, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So you have this, this dependent and submissive relationship, this child, this, this young man or young woman has to their parents is set aside so that the unity of husband and wife could be established. So there's a separation. You're leaving your parents, and there's a union. You're joining to your husband. You're joining to your wife. So God here has joined a man and a woman, so they, be, they become a unit. And how do they become one unit? How do they become one? Through that intimacy, that sexual union, consummating their marriage, they become a unit. They become one. So our first point today in a text is real easy. Be faithful to your spouse and your future spouse. You say, future spouse? What do you mean by that? Well, it's to single people. I'll talk about that in just a moment. Be faithful to your spouse and your future spouse. To commit adultery, which this commandment, the seventh commandment, um, opposes, prohibits, means to violate that union that has taken place. Adultery means to have intimacy with someone other than your spouse. Sometimes we say it's marital infidelity. In the New Testament, the word is, is translated uh, fornication, and that speaks more as much to premarital intimacy as, as marital intimacy. But Paul, how does he define this? He, des he defines it as, he just calls it sexual immorality. We see him using that time and time again. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 18 through 20. And this is all commandments we're reading that we understand this to be um, true, to be wrong. Flee from sexual immorality. Like, yeah, I know I should flee from those things, right? Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, you are bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. And we'll see in a few moments Jesus' thoughts. We've looked in the Old Covenant. We look at Paul and how he addresses that, and Jesus will address this. Uh, he'll commentate. He'll give some commentary, if you will, on the Seventh Commandment in just a moment. Well, C.S. Lewis, he's an, an author, an apologist. He explains it, that intimacy outside of marriage is an attempt to isolate this Union from all the others that go along with it. He said, there's a total union, and what you try to do when, you, when you're seeking intimacy with someone is you're trying to separate those things from the total union. He says, yeah, intimacy is a, is a package deal. You can't isolate the pleasure of the act from all that's involved. It's not just a physical act where you receive pleasure. No, it's something else going on there. He says, you don't try to isolate the pleasure of sex and try to get it by itself. Just like while eating, you wouldn't isolate the pleasure of taste without swallowing and digesting by chewing things up and spitting them out. Tonight, we're going to have a, a contest about, there's a fall dessert contest. You know, fall. Think about it. Pumpkin, sweet potato pie, pecan pie, something like that, right? 
So we're gonna have this contest, and so you go up there and, and you take a, 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 a little bit from each one and you put it in your mouth. You don't put it in your mouth and chew it up and then spit it out. It just takes away from the experience, right? It's not what you do. No, you, you take it and you taste it and you chew it and it's wonderful and then you swallow it, right? That's what C.S. Lewis, that's what he's saying. We, when we seek that outside, that intimacy, outside the bonds of marriage, we're trying to isolate the pleasures of intimacy with all that the sex act entails. So why is adultery in all its forms? And when I say all its forms, I mean, you know, it's, it's um, seeking intimacy with someone that's not your spouse, whether you're married or you're single. It could include pornography, right? Seeking pleasure from some pictures and movies and magazines and whatever. So it can include all of those things. So why is it so? Why is it forbidden? It's not because intimacy is bad, but because it is designed to be such a powerful force for good. Philip Rockin says it, he says he says intimacy is like superglue. Superglue is fabulous, isn't it? When used. For the right purposes, right? But if you're using the super glue and you keep your fingers, all of a sudden you can't get your fingers. Have you ever, that ever happened with any of your your kids? Then you can't get your fingers apart. It's like super glue when used properly. This 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 intimacy seals the bond of matrimony. It's the glue, the covenant cement that helps hold a marriage secure. That's why husbands are are, are commanded, required to fulfill their obligations to their wives and vice versa. 1 Corinthians 7, 3. The husband should give to his wife her conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband. Be faithful to the one you've committed to. Second thing we'll, second point today is the consequences for breaking the commandment are great. They're great. And some of us have experienced those consequences and even are experiencing those consequences. Notice the punishment for, for adultery in the old covenant. And we're so glad we don't live under the old covenant, aren't we? Yeah, we'd all, all of us would be stoned, right? We would not be here, right? You know, stoned um, or what have you. Leviticus 20, verse 10 um, if a man commits adultery with the wife of his neighbor, both the adulterer and the adulteress shall be surely be put to death. And we said that. And we're glad that we're in the new covenant because what happens now under the new covenant? Under the new covenant, we're not stoning people, right, for breaking these laws. There may be discipline in the church, right, a rebuke or maybe discipline if, if a repentance doesn't occur. That's the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 and 10 Speaking of consequences, or do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Listen to this. Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. What is Paul doing here on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit? He's lumping all these, all these sinful characters together. The sexually immoral, the adulterer, the swindler, the homosexual, they're all lumped together. But it says, will, none of these will inherit the kingdom of God. Not inheriting the kingdom of God, that's hell. And so we, we heard earlier, life is short, have an affair. But Paul says, life is short. And eternity is very, very long. What's the consequences to being immoral, being an adulterer? Well, trust is broken, right? If one won't keep this covenant, can they be trusted with anything else? And there's warnings in the old covenant, Proverbs chapter 7. Turn there in your Bibles, if you will. Just get us in the habit of turning. I know I, I like having this up on the screen. We can cover more ground, but I think it's something, it's just something really good about turning your Bible. Proverbs chapter 7. We're talking about consequences, and here is a, 
a young man who lacked sense, the scriptures tell us. Verse 7, he's a young man who lacked sense. He's out late at night. We'll pick up in verse 10. Let's read that together. Proverbs 7, verses 10 through 23. And behold, the woman meets him. This meets the man who has no sense, right? Dressed as a prostitute, wily of heart. She is loud and wayward. Her feet do not stay at home. Now in the street, now in the market, and at every corner she lies in wait. She seizes him and kisses him, and with bold face she says to him, I had to offer sacrifices, and today I paid my vows. So now I have come out to meet you, to seek you eagerly, and I have found you. I have spread my couch with coverings, colored linens from Egyptian linen. I have perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let us take our fill of love till morning. Let us delight ourselves with love, for my husband is not at home. He has gone on a long journey. He took a bag of money with him, and at full moon, he will come home. With much seductive speech, she persuades him. With her smooth talk, she compels him. All at once, he follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter, or as a stag is caught fast till an arrow pierces its liver. As a bird rushes into a snare, he does not know they will cost him his life. And those who have been caught up in this sin and exposed, they would tell you that it seems like that is definitely the case. The consequences of an adulterer or being an adulterer is great. One of the other consequences is a stain on the reputation that is hard to remove. That's David. That's true in David's case. David Maybe some of us are here and um, we're thinking, well, that would never happen to me. I would never get caught up in anything like that. David probably thought the same thing. He was a man after his, God's own heart, such a godly man, did so many wonderful things. He never lost a battle as leader of the Israeli army. He was such a wonderful example in so many ways. And yet, 1 Kings chapter 15, verse 5, tells us because David did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and did not turn aside from anything that he commanded him all the days of his life, except in the matter of Uriah the Hittite. And we think about David, when I think about King David, we've studied several, last year maybe, I can't, time runs together, maybe last year we went through First and Second Samuel and we uh, study the life of David in detail. And when you think about David, King David, the, the great king of Israel, some of you think about, um, maybe think about Goliath, how David slew Goliath. But most of us, no matter what we think about David, that, that matter with Bathsheba when he took her and committed adultery with her and had Uriah the Hittite put to death, that comes to mind. Why? Because this stain is hard to remove. Now, that wouldn't say, you might be saying, man, this is, you're painting a really terrible picture about an adulterer, and, and it is. It's pretty terrible. And it's not that David wasn't, couldn't repent and be forgiven, because you look at Psalm 51, one of the great passages in the Bible that we all can relate to, right? How he was forgiven. As far as the east is from the west, God had removed his sin. So there was forgiveness there, but there's always this stain, isn't it? These consequences to being an adulterer are great. One of the other things that, that, that adultery does, it, it distorts the picture of one's covenant relationship to God. Think about when God wants to illustrate disloyalty to him. How does he do that in the old covenant? The prophets would call Israel what? An adulterous generation. Or you played the harlot. Or you might call the nation a whore. Why? Because a covenant requires commitment. And, and when we're disloyal, when we're unfaithful to our spouse, we violate the covenant in the deepest way that it could be violated. That's why it hurts so deeply and causes so much damage. In fact, we violate it so deeply that Jesus says that becomes 
a legitimate biblical ground for divorce when he taught his disciples. And so God says your faithfulness in marriage to your spouse is a picture of faithful covenant relationship with me. And Paul points out in Ephesians 5 where he says that a marriage is a picture of the union that exists between Christ and the church. Therefore, our fidelity to our spouse is to mirror our fidelity to the Lord. So consequences are great. Proverbs, hopefully you're still there. Look at, let's look at Proverbs 5. This is a, some wisdom for us here. Now he's read some of this. You may have to have some conversations with your younger ones appropriate for their age might bring up some conversation and I don't I don't steer away from this too much because uh, I think that's one of the problems in the church we don't talk about these things with our children and so they hear them and they learn from Johnny at school or Jennifer at school and usually what they learn are not things that are helpful Proverbs chapter 5 this is an encouragement to to us drink water from your own cistern flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets, let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. Let her breast fill you at all times <clears throat> with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman and embrace the bosom of an adulteress? For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord, and he ponders all his paths. The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him, and he is held fast in the cords of his sin. He dies for lack of discipline, and because of his great folly, he is led astray. And we've already seen that time and time again. We've seen that in the Scriptures. The foolish person, the foolish young man, <clears throat> is led away to his death. <clears throat> but we're, we're encouraged and we're commanded. And it's kind of an erotic um, language there but that's that's a part of our being that's a part of who we are as a married couple isn't it is to be intimate and it encourages us to, to do so and to be faithful third thing I, I see in this short verse I see um, Jesus up in the ante here his commentary on the seventh commandment. I think that's important that we look at that in Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount. As we saw last week, Morgan talked about we shouldn't murder. And then Jesus provides commentary in the Sermon on the Mount. And we've studied the Sermon on the Mount and, uh, not too long ago. And what Jesus is doing is he's not teaching more law, right? He's not abolishing the law. But no, what is he doing? The law is the letter, but he's exposing or, or opening up the intent of the law. Matthew 5, 27, 28. You have heard that it was said. Where have you heard that? Jesus' teaching. You have heard that it was said. You heard it in Exodus 20, right? Yeah. In the Ten Commandments. You shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. It's amazing. The more we study the law, the more despicable we become. As Jamie said, it's a mirror, isn't it? The more we study the law, the more we read the law, the more we see that we are lacking. But the more we study the law, the more glorious Jesus appeared. Because you know what? The pro all the problems that we have, all the conviction, all the shame, Jesus never experienced any of it in his lifetime because he was faithful in every way, fulfilling the law completely. And aren't you so thankful? that he was faithful in the area of, of sexuality. He did that for us. He was faithful when we haven't been. And we're, we're Jesus here, you know, we're, we're concerned less about the sins of our heart. We're more concerned about the outward things, right? More concerned about the man who has committed adultery or the woman who's committed the actual act of adultery. But Jesus says, wait a minute. I'm not just concerned about the outward act. 
In fact, he rebukes the Pharisees over and over again. He didn't have nice things to say to the Pharisees. In fact, he says, you're like whitewashed tombs. The outside of the cup, you keep really, really spotless clean. But the inside of the cup is filthy. We have a dishwasher, and sometimes we don't load the dishwasher just right. You know how it is. Sometimes you got, you know, 20 more pieces of whatever to put in there, and you don't want to wash them, so you just kind of cram them and stack them. And you think if you take cups and stack them on top of it, somehow they're going to get clean, right? Yeah, some of you moms are like, what are kids? What are you doing? Why are you? Or some of you ladies are thinking about your husbands. How would you, why would you stack all of that on top, Lydia? Why would you stack all those dishes in there like that? They can't get clean, right? And the worst thing ever is when you get a, you think, you, what you think is a clean glass, and you pull it out, and you go to, and all of a sudden you've got stuff in it. Or you drink them like, what in the world? There's something floating in here. Isn't that terrible, Sarah? I hate that. But that's what Jesus, he's, he rebukes the Pharisees in the New Covenant. You're like whitewashed tombs. You're like cups that on the outside they're really, really clean, but inside they're just disgusting. Amen. He rebuked them. Now, they didn't commit the act of adultery. They were faithful to their wives outwardly. But what about their hearts? And that's what Jesus is doing. He's exposing their hearts. And that's what he's doing for us. Because like Morgan said last week, you think about the, as everybody wakes up, <laughs> you think about this, you know, you're reading through the commandments, like, ah, ah, but then you get to murder and you're like, got that one, check, check. I can, I can, I can, I get a passing grade on this one. And then all of a sudden you, you see what uh, Jesus exposes. No, it's not just, it's not just, the actual killing of a person, but it's your attitude towards people. And all of a sudden we're like, oh man, I blew that one too. And so adultery is the same way. Well, I haven't actually, I've been faithful to my spouse. You know, maybe my spouse hadn't been faithful to me, but I've been faithful to my spouse. And you applaud yourself because of your fidelity. But yet Jesus exposed your heart. But have you lusted after someone else's spouse? Have you desired someone that's not your spouse? And oh man, gracious, right? blew that one also. In fact, in the, in the medieval church, they listed seven deadly sins. You name them? Know what they are? Well, lust was one of those, and rightly so, because it's so dangerous and it destroys lives and destroys families, and as families go, so goes the culture. That's why our country is such a mess, right? Where the family, what's the family look like? It's in shambles because of adultery. James chapter 1, 13 and 15 teaches that sin is Jesus, it's what Jesus is saying. It originates in the heart. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it is conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Yeah, this adulterous behavior, being unfaithful to your spouse, it doesn't start, it's not just that, it started way before then, right? Is your heart's not right. In fact, people who, it's a brokenhearted wife, and she's in my office, and her husband there is downcast and not looking at me and and she says why did this happen and she's thinking it's her fault right she's let herself go she doesn't meet his needs da, 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 da. and I say no it's because his heart's messed up he's got a heart problem or maybe it's a dejected husband whose wife is doing the same not looking up you know um, ashamed what could I have done different what da, 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 da. well no it's it's your wife or she's been unfaithful to you because her heart's not right she has an unfaithful heart that's the problem, and that's the problem with you and with me. We have an adulterous heart. We see that also, Luke chapter 6, verse 45, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. What's the problem? The problem is it's action sins is what we focus on a lot of times, but it's these attitudinal sins, right, the sins of the heart that get us in trouble. That's where it starts. Jesus teaches also in Matthew 15, 18 through 20. Again, Pharisees, he complains because the disciples, they're eating without ceremonially washing their hands. Now, this was a man-made rule. Good idea, right? Wash your hands before you eat. But this is a man-made rule. It wasn't a part of the law. And they're complaining because the disciples aren't washing their hands. 
Jesus responded and said, What comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. Amen. It's not enough to keep the law outwardly, but burn with lust for someone's not your spouse. And in fact, he goes on in Matthew 19, he talks about divorcing one spouse, what happens there, and the result is adultery. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual morality, in other words, there's no biblical cause, and marries another commits adultery. So, wow. So it's not just an action thing, it's a heart thing. But then what about this other issue of leaving your spouse for someone else, and you don't have biblical grounds? That's adultery as well. So who's not guilty of an adulter having an adulterous heart? Raise your hand, right? We're all guilty. So lastly, how do we avoid adultery? How do we keep this command? Just a few things, and this will be our application for the day, okay? This is our application. How do we guard against adultery? How do we not have an adulterous heart? How do we keep from committing this heinous sin? I think firstly is don't be overly confident in yourself. Um, if it can happen to David, if it can happen to Solomon, it can happen to you. Don't think, well, I'll never, that'll never happen to me. Understand that you're capable. There's not much you're not capable of. There's not much you're, you're not capable of. Being an adulterer, being a whore or a whoremongrel, it's not on anyone's bucket list. You know, when I grow up, I want to be a, an adulterer. I want to be an unfaithful husband. I want to be an unfaithful wife. No one ever imagines doing that. But it does happen. And it happens often. So the first thing I think is recognize our, the danger, recognize we're capable of doing any heinous sin. Be humble. Be afraid. Right. Number two, go to extreme measures to keep yourself sexually pure. And again, Sermon on the Mount, right at the verses we read earlier, Matthew 5, 29 through 30. If your eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better for you to lose one of your members than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. For it's better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. One of the, um, one of the things that I do in regard to this is I don't, we don't have a TV satellite channel. And it's not... Um, and I'm saying, well, everybody ought to get rid of their TV. I'm not telling you to do that. I'm telling for me because for me, I'm very visual. And I, when I see, um, and it doesn't have to be anything um, in what a lot of people would say too terribly bad. You know, it doesn't have to be rated R. It could be PG-13, right? It kind of has the same effect as lingerie, right? It has that effect. I just see a little something on TV, a little something, a little innuendo, and it just gets me going. So guess what? Don't have it. I don't have that problem in my home. Now I have that problem in my heart, in my mind, I'm battling against all the time, right? Like, like we all do. But for me, cutting the hand off and plucking out the eyes, I don't want to have, I don't have something in my home, you know, on the screen that's, that's nudity or, or sexual innuendo or something because I struggle. So we just don't have that. Now I'm saying you should do that. I'm saying me in my life. That's an example. And for some of you, it may be meaning changing your job because it may be a coworker who you're really enticed by and you're really tempted by and you find yourself thinking about that person because they think you're the greatest thing ever and you think they're the greatest thing ever, but you know that's inappropriate and you're having inappropriate thoughts and you can't stop that. What you probably need to do is you probably need to talk to your spouse, confess that, and change your job. Well, you just don't know how much money I make. I don't really care how much money you make. They hiring everywhere these days. <laughs> you need a job? You tell me. I can get you a job. You can be working tomorrow at 8 o'clock. <laughs> maybe, maybe it mean, means doing that. Maybe it means, you know, I don't know, cutting some relationships off 
You know, maybe it means your your phone not doing the TikTok and Instagram. That stuff can get pretty crazy. Hey, parents, if your kids have phones, most of them do, and you don't have parental control on there, you're not seeing everything you're doing, you're very naive. You're very naive. Your child is looking at pornography. They are. No, not my child. You're naive. Come talk to me. I got a lot of information for you. Some of it might be about your kid. Have something controlled on your phone. They don't need to be looking at any and everything. Your kids are looking at pornography, which is going to lead to all these problems that we're talking about. You got to get your computers and all that. You got to have control over that, parents. Don't be naive. Don't be fools. Not my kid. Yeah, your kid. That's another thing. Don't don't trust everybody. Don't trust yourself. People say, you don't trust my kids. They don't say this anymore. You don't trust me. I say, you're right. I don't trust me. I don't trust me. That's the issue. Don't trust yourself. Oh, I won't do that. You, you might. Stay away from it. Cutting off the hand, plucking out the eye. Go to extreme measure to keep yourself sexually pure. And sometimes we do that in this culture and this today. You look kind of odd. Maybe. What is it going to be for you? Maybe it's telling a, a brother and sister about this uh, lust you have or a relationship issue that you're concerned about. You need to ask a brother or sister that you're close to, hey, I need some accountability here. You know, maybe that you, you have these things where you don't, you don't meet with people like have lunch appointments with people of the opposite sex. We don't ride together. I don't ride together in cars with people that's not my wife that, you know, that's a great thing about Michael working here. We're cousins. And it's just awesome. And that's part of the deal. That's, that's intentional. I can be down here. I don't have to worry about anything. We can work down here together. It's okay. I wouldn't work down here with another young lady. Just she and I. There's just certain things you have to do. And I don't know what that means for you, but you may have something you need to cut your arm off, pluck your eye out, you know, those kind of things to keep yourself faithful. It may be getting rid of a phone or a computer or giving your, your, your wife or your husband, uh, the the password to this parental control on your phone as adults. I see it all the time. You know how many people, what percentage of people are viewing pornography? 8% of men. 30% of women. Ah, women don't look at that. Yeah, little girls do too. All the time. 8%. And it doesn't really change much in the church. It's a problem. We need to do what we can, right? Go to extreme measures to keep yourself sexually pure. Another, another thing we do, I think, to help guard against um, immoral behavior, don't deprive your spouse. We read the text. Husbands and wives, we have needs and we need to be faithful in that area of our lives. And some of you say, well, a satisfied spouse won't stray. That's not, no, that's not completely true because look at David. How many wives he have? Mm, and he strayed, right? Solomon, yeah. So it's not a cure-all, but I think that's just what we do as husbands and wives is we meet the needs of our spouses. It's a loving thing to do. The next thing, number four, is we repent of porn. Repentance means what? What does repentance mean? Hunter, are you with me? means turning from, right? Turning from that behavior. Yeah. Because um, it just turns your heart away from your spouse. I mean, Jenny thinks I'm the most handsome dude ever. And it might, you might not believe it, but there's a lot of fellas that are a lot more handsome than me and a lot better looking. I know, surprising. That, that's the thing about pornography. There's always women more attractive than your wife and always men more attractive than your husband. This is. So what does that all that do? It just turns your heart away from your spouse and gives the enemy so much ammunition. Number five, single folks, stop practicing adultery. If you're having sex outside of marriage, all you're doing is practicing for being a, an adulterer when you get married. Right? Um, yeah, you got to be pure. 
And, and this is the thing I always did when I was overseas. I, I taught English at a university, and there the culture is a lot more conservative than ours, or it used to be. It's moving. Everything follows the West. Thank you, America. Uh, we're corrupting the world. But I would always tell these students, I would, I would catch wind of a student, you know, being immoral, and, and I would just ask them, I'm like, hey, when you get married, eventually you're going to get married. Oh, yeah, 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 I want to get married. Okay, when you get married, think about this. The woman that you marry, how many of your friends do you want her to have kissed or slept with before you marry her? Like, oh, no, I don't want her. None. Well, what's the golden rule? Do to others what you have them do to you. Then be pure. And another thing, to single folks, you know, the, the first... The first point, be faithful to your spouse and your future spouse. Let me tell you, single folks, high school kids, middle school kids, whatever, you got boyfriends or whatever, I should get, get you to raise your hand. This be a little bit more pointed, probably have more effect, but I won't do that because your mamas may get mad at me. Um, physical relationships, if you don't know it, God gave us this physical, able to have this physical touch and intimacy because it's a growing thing. It's a growing thing. It's progressive. High school kids, you're holding hands, putting your hands on a girl, putting hands on a boy. What happens there? It progresses. 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 And, and for some of y'all, let me think it's over the top. The only way to, to, to combat that is just don't, don't do that at all. Keep brother and sister in cross relationships till you get on to do something about it. That's my, what I learned. A little bit too late, but yeah, don't don't start because physical relationships they progress one hundred percent of the time. If if we could, young people, we could take a survey in here and all the adults in here, if they could they could they had one of the big regrets in their life is being immoral before they were married. There's not one person that you'll find. They'll say, oh, I'm glad I wasn't a virgin when I got married. I'm so glad. No, it's a regret, and it haunts them, and it's, it affects their marriage. The only way you stop that is you don't touch. Yeah. Maybe kids talk to your parents about that. Be real careful. Be real careful. Parents... You say, well, I don't want to be too strict on them. No, in that area, be strict. Don't you wish your parents would have been more strict on you? Come on, parents. We, we get parents, our kids get older, and we do lose our mind. Like, we have no sense. Yeah, we need to be strict in that regard. Yeah, when they get to be older, they're, they're going to be grown, and they'll do what they want to do. But while they're in your home, just give them direction in that regard and, and teach them about that. Yeah, let's be sensible. Yeah, when you, when you get married, what is your desire? My desire is to marry somebody who's innocent and pure. And in our relationship, only, the only undressed man and undressed woman they see is the, the, their spouse. Isn't that God's desire? So why shouldn't that be our goal? Come on, let's get with a program. And, and what about lastly, number eight, for those who've, Maybe you're in the middle of this and you've been unfaithful and you're trying to salvage and you're trying to, you've repented. We've talked about that repentance. Repentance is real important. And you can see, you can see fruit of repentance in somebody's life. I, we have it in our church. I've seen it, seen it time and time again. Somebody that's been unfaithful and there's repentance and what happens? They do everything they can to obey the Lord in that area of their life. Everything. They're here every time the door's open. Trying to be encouraged and, and, and every, everything they can get to help them in their marriage. God can redeem your marriage. This is what's so great. The scarlet letter that you wear can be covered in the blood of Jesus. Isn't that great? Yeah. And if you're here and you, you, you're, maybe you're an adulterer. We all are, right? Maybe in your marriage you've actually uh, been physically unfaithful. Then first of all, repent. And if you're not a believer... You need to repent. You need to trust Christ as your Savior and Lord. Trust what He did on the cross was for you, His death, His resurrection. Be reconciled to God and be cleansed, be covered in the blood of Jesus and be given His righteousness. 
That's what we need. Jesus, to give us an area of adultery, we need him to give us his record. When it comes to murder, guess what? He wasn't a murderer. He treated people right all the time. His attitude was right toward everybody. We need that. In regard to sexual morality, guess what? Pure. We need his record. Praise the Lord. That's our hope. Jesus kept the record for us. We don't have to walk around in condemnation. We're all guilty. That's the thing. Don't hang on your head. You may be struggling with the consequences. I can't do anything about the consequences. You're going to just struggle through them. You can't, take it, you can't just magically take those things away. Sometimes God's gracious to us and your, your consequences are less. But for some, it's, it's great. Sometimes your marriage, it's not salvageable. They, they, won't, they won't stick with you. They won't forgive. Consequences are great. But God is our hope because of what Christ done for us on the cross. Nobody's, nobody's innocent when it comes to sexual morality. We're all guilty in one way or another. And we need, we need the blood of Jesus, don't we? That is our, that is our hope. For those who, of you who have been sinned against, I just say grace to you. May you have God's heart. What's God's heart for you and towards you? May you have God's heart towards your spouse who's been unfaithful. Jesus is our hope. We're so thankful for the blood of Jesus, so thankful for his record. He's kept the law for us. Even though we're adulterers at heart, Jesus is perfect. He's our perfect exemplar and he's our perfect savior. Amen. Isn't it awesome that we can be free from the bondage of sin, the bondage of adulterers, the bondage of sexual immorality? We have hope in Christ. If there's something uh, you need to confess to your spouse, I would encourage you to do so. Maybe you've been looking at pornography and uh, in your mind when you're spending time with your spouse, you're not thinking of them. You're thinking of this pornographic image. You might need to confess that and ask forgiveness and repent, right? Repent means making a conscious effort to turn from it and do it no longer. I would love to help you if I can. Your small group leader would love to help you if they can. You need someone you can confess sin to. As Jamie shared earlier, there's healing in that when you confess your sin to one to another. I encourage you to do so. There is hope in Christ.